0: Okay, Daniel chapter 9. I'll begin reading in verse 20 to the end of the chapter. And you'll notice that it starts out with an explanation of what Daniel was doing. He was confessing and praying for the, his sins, for the sins of his people, Israel, and presenting supplication before the Lord. Verse 20. Now, while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of the people of Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God yea while I was speaking in prayer even the man Gabriel whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning being caused to fly swiftly touched me about the time of the evening oblation and he informed me and talked with me and said O oh, Daniel I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I came to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild, to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks, and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times." And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. You may be seated. God bless you, God.
1: Good morning. Greetings in Christ's name. The name that someday all knees will bow, even the heart that is hard, will bow before him. As you know, I've been preaching on end time events and just a little review. God is written in scripture so that we can know what is in store for us in the future, for the world, in the end times. Not only so that we can know, but also that we can be encouraged and so that we can live holy lives. It will prompt us to live holy lives. The next event on the prophetic Timeline is the rapture of the church. This event is a signless event. In other words, it can happen the next second. In other words, there is no other prophecy. There is nothing in prophecy that needs to happen before the rapture of the church. We also said that the end times does not happen in one day. But from the time of the rapture to the second coming of Jesus Christ is approximately seven years. Also, we talked about how God will keep the church from the hour of temptation, from the tribulation which shall come upon all the world. How the church will not be a part of the tribulation. We also talked about that when the church gets to heaven, they will be judged. Not to determine if they gained entrance into heaven or not, but they will be judged, they will be rewarded for the works that they've done here on this earth. And it says the rewards that we will get will be crowns. The crowns that we will receive will be cast before the throne of Jesus because it is only because of him that we were able to receive the crowns. After we have gone up to heaven, the world will continue on. As the world continues on, The people in the world will face tribulation like it never has before. I want to speak this morning about the coming tribulation. And there may be a couple sermons about the tribulation. This is more of an introduction. So what is the tribulation? The tribulation is an event that will happen here on the earth. Some of the words that is found in scripture that describes it is wrath, judgment, indignation, trial, trouble, destruction, darkness, desolation, overturning, and punishment. The tribulation will be the darkest hour in human history. You think about Hitler and the Nazis and how that affected the world. It will be worse than that. In Matthew 24:21 to 22, it says, For then shall there be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So we see um, what will happen. If God allows it to continue on beyond seven years, um, there will be no flesh saved, and this part especially is talking about the last three and a half years of the tribulation, where it will become lots worse. And like I said, it's not that God shortened the length of time of the tribulation, but He intervened to save the people that were here, that were here on the earth. The seven years was predicted in the time of Daniel. And God does not do something other than what was predicted. The Bible tells us in detail how this time will happen. The book of Daniel, if you look in the whole book, it especially points to um, tribulation, and especially in the light of the Jews. And also Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. And Revelation 6 to 19. And there's many phrases even in the Old Testament that describes how the tribulation will happen. In the Bible, the tribulation is referred to in different ways. In the Old Testament, it's referred to as birth pains. Day of the Lord. Great and dreadful day of the Lord. It's a day of trouble and distress. It's a day of Jacob's trouble trouble is also referred to as that uh, and is also called one week in the New Testament it is referred to as the day those days, the wrath to come the great day of the wrath the hour of trial trial, the hour of judgment and also again birth pangs. so when will the tribulation happen? you know some people feel like we're in the tribulation now Well, there are some things that need to happen before that time comes. You know, the things that are happening in our world today is only a shadow of what will happen in the tribulation. And it talks about in Matthew 24 how there will be wars and rumors of wars. And how there will be deception, famines, and plagues. You know, that's happening in a small scale here on this earth now. But during the tribulation, it will be like the world has never experienced. The Bible talks about that before the tribulation happens, there will be people falling away from the faith. You know, us as Christians cannot bring in the kingdom to this earth. It is only done by Jesus Christ. The All-Millennials believe that there will be no future thousand-year reign of Christ, but that the kingdom is spiritual in nature and is presently fulfilled as Christ reigns in heaven and in the hearts of his people. But when we understand Christ's reign here on the earth, um, this view doesn't fit. We look at Daniel 2 and the image that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed. Um, There's a stone that comes out of the mountain, which is Jesus. And what does it say? It destroys all the kingdoms here on the earth. That are man made. And that has not happened yet. But it will happen in the future. We will also see in the next couple of verses. How our world is going to get worse. Before it gets better. You know the way that the world is shaping up. And the deception and all that. We are right on track. For what the Bible says will happen in the end times. In first. 1 Timothy 4, 1-3, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, there is a word for the tribulation, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. And like I said, this is this verse is talking about the latter times, the time of the tribulation, people will depart from the faith. They will not believe that Jesus saved the world. They will not trust in Jesus. So what will they believe? We see that they will be listening to seducing spirits. They will follow after spirits that that make them feel good. They will be led away by being offered pleasure or advantages and we this can be done in the name of christianity and we see that in so many places across the world in churches it says their conscience will be seared with a hot iron their conscience will be calloused and hard they have rejected the spirit of god for so long that they are numb to the truth another verse second timothy three one to seven. This know also that in the last days there is a word for tribulation, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lo- lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, and content, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high minded, lovers of pleasure, More than lovers of God, having a form, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. We see in this passage that men will be selfish; they'll only be thinking about themselves. They will be only concerned about what feels good for them instead of honoring God. Another verse is Second Timothy four one four. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come. And that's the time of the tribulation. When they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itchy, itching ears. And they, shall turn, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. People will turn away from the true scripture and find a new doctrine to believe in. That's what happened at the time of the tribulation. They will find their own teachers that teach them what makes them feel good. They will turn away from the truth and believe made-up stories that man has produced. We can see with these verses that the tribulation is right around the corner. It is at our doorstep of time. Within the last 6,000 years of our world's history, the last 120 years, has changed very dramatically. The verses that I described is happening right now. So it is no surprise that we see our world the way it is in now because of what it is predicted in Scripture. And like I said, before we were talking about the timing of the tribulation, before the tribulation happens, the church needs to be raptured to end the church age. Second Thessalonians two one to eight it says Now we beseech you brethren by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by the by letter as from us as that they as at the day of Christ at hand is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. And that son of perdition is the Antichrist, who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was... W- Yet with you I told you these things, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked, which is the antichrist, be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. We know that the Antichrist is one of the main characters in the tribulation. But it says there in verse 8 that he will not be revealed until the church and the Holy Spirit are taken out of the way. The church needs to be raptured before the tribulation happens. And just think about it. we We have a great influence in our world today because of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But when that is gone, the earth will suffer great Tribulation and all evil will be happening on the earth. Before the tribulation happens, another thing that needs to happen before the tribulation comes about, the Antichrist will make a peace treaty with the nation of Israel and the Jews, or like it's said here in Daniel 9:27, it's a covenant. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and there is the word tribulation. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause a sacrifice in the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of, the, of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured out, poured upon the desolate yeah, remember I said um, in the list that I gave that one week is one of the terms that is used for the seven-year tribulation. The Antichrist needs to sign a peace treaty. It needs to come from him to the nation of Israel for seven years before the tribulation happens. And that's what starts the tribulation. And it almost appears like the Antichrist is on God's side. But I don't think so. Uh, it, I believe it's going to be a benefit for him Not for God or the Jews. It'll be because of him that he signs the peace treaty. And whatever that may be, whether it's, I heard, resources. Yeah. The Israel's, the land of Israel is full of resources. So where do we get the idea that there will be seven years of tribulation? You know, the Bible doesn't say that there will be seven years of tribulation. So where do we get that idea from that it will be seven years, and here are the verses that Dan, or sorry, that Glenn read, and I'm not going to take the time to read them because we read them, but you can look over it as I explain um, a little bit about um, the seventy weeks of Daniel. But it says in Daniel 9:24 that it will take Daniel's people, the Jews, seventy weeks to come to repentance. And this 70 weeks is only for Jews and for Israel. It's not for the Gentiles or any, anyone else. It's not for the church. It's only for the Jews and Israel. And if you look at the word weeks in the Strong Concordance, it means a group of seven. It's a, it's a group of seven. So it says that... 70 weeks. It takes 70 weeks for Israel to come to repentance. And if you do the math, 70 times 7 is 490 years. It'll take Israel 490 years to come to repentance, to see the truth. And these 70 weeks are divided into three parts. There will be seven weeks... As we see in verse um, 25, there will be seven weeks to rebuild Jerusalem. And remember the math that I said, seven weeks, seven group of sevens. That would be 49 years to build Jerusalem after, after the Babylonian captivity. When Daniel and all the Jews were captive into Babylon. That's what it's talking about. When they left there um, to go build Jerusalem in the temple. And then it says there will be 62, three score and two weeks. 62 weeks after that until the Messiah, the prince, has his triumphal entry and presents himself as the Messiah. And we see that in the New Testament when Jesus rode on the donkey and came into Jerusalem. And everyone was um, praising him because they thought, or he, because he is the Messiah. So then we do 62 times 7, that is 69. So there's one week left for the seven year tribulation, which equals 70 weeks or 490 years until the Jews come to repentance. So when does the clock start ticking? It starts ticking in Nehemiah 2 when King Xerxes issued a decree allowing the Jews to return to rebuild Jerusalem after their captivity in Babylon. And you see that in Nehemiah 2. And if you go from that time forward 69 weeks later, exactly at that time, Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And that to me is outstanding. That God predicted, Daniel wrote it down and God brought it about. It came to pass exactly 69 weeks or 483 years Jesus rode into Jerusalem. So what happened after the time that Jesus rode into Jerusalem? There is a gap in prophecy and that gap is called the church age. And the church age happened because of Israel's rejection to the Messiah. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And that's how we are brought into the picture, as Gentiles, because of Jews' rejection of the Messiah. And because of Israel's rejection, us as Gentiles, like it says in Romans 11, are grafted into the olive branch. We have a chance of being a part of of Jesus' kingdom at the end of time. The next question I want to look at is why does God allow the tribulation to happen? What is the purpose of it? Why seven years of chaos and evil and wickedness on the earth? Why doesn't he just take the church home and call it good? What's the purpose? Many people do not understand well, let me ask this. Many people have asked, if God is such a loving God, how can he allow so much trouble and sorrow to happen in this world during the tribulation? During the tribulation? Many people do not understand that God is not only a compassionate God, the God of love, but he's also God of judgment. No one would appreciate If God would only wink at sin and the evil done in our world. And I think that's instilled in each one of us, whether believers or unbelievers. We don't like when there's things bad that happens. But God will make all the wrong right. He will judge the earth rightly. God will pour out his wrath on the ungodly. He will punish people for their sins. There are at least five reasons why God allowed the tribulation to happen. First one is to prepare Israel to enter into the kingdom of heaven, to enter into the thousand-year reign of Christ. You know, one reason why people don't study end-time prophecies is because the Jews miss Jesus at his first coming. So how can we be so sure about his coming? I think the reason why the Jews missed his first coming is because they didn't realize that Jesus needed to suffer first. They knew that the Messiah was going to come to be their king. But they didn't realize that he needed to suffer first. Many times in the Old Testament, there are gaps of time in the prophecy that is given. And one of those gaps is Isaiah 9, 6-7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That happens, right? Read the next part. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. As the last part of those two verses happened? I don't think so. We are still living in chaos here on the earth. Jesus is going to set up his earthly kingdom here on the earth. And everything will be made right. There's over 2,000 years of time gap in the beginning of verse 6 and the rest of 6-7. Another gap that we see, and I referred to this earlier, is the 70 weeks of Daniel. The first 69 weeks have happened. The last week has not happened. And when these prophecies, or when the people that did prophesy, you know, they didn't understand totally how Jesus would um, carry out his plan. It kind of goes like this. Um, When they gave gave out prophecies, those that have seen the Rocky Mountains You are a long ways off, away from it, and you can see one gigantic mountain range. But as you come close, you see there's many, many different mountain ranges. And I think that's how it is with prophecy. These prophecies happen, or are happening, a long way off from the people that prophesied, and they only saw a small glimpse of how it's going to happen. We have the whole Bible, so that's how we can see the whole picture. The time of the tribulation, and we're talking about the reasons why God allows the tribulation the time of the tribulation does four things to the Jews. And you see there, and, um, if you're there, Daniel 9:24, it says, "It finishes their transgression, it makes an end of their sins, it makes reconciliation for iniquity, and it brings in to everlasting righteousness. During the tribulation, the Jews will recognize that Jesus was the Messiah and will come to him for salvation. Because of that, they will be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven because of their salvation experience. Jeremiah 37 and9, it says, "Alas, for that day it's great." This is talking about the Jews, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. But he shall be saved out of it. For it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off of thy neck, and will burst thy bonds, and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him. The Jews are for the last years have been serving people so many different ways. But some day they are no more strangers so They won't serve the strangers, the Gentiles, but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. So instead of serving the strangers, they will serve the Lord their God in the kingdom in the 1,000-year reign of Christ. God will, first of all, though, need to purge out the rebel Jews before all Israel will be saved. And he will do that through the time of the tribulation. The Antichrist will hunt them down to kill them. And after he, after he breaks his promise with Israel, um, like it seed that he made his covenant, he will hunt them down. In Zechariah 13, 8-9 it says, And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them. I will say it is my people, and they shall say The Lord is my God. We see here that there will be only one third of the Jews that will survive and enter into the kingdom after the tribulation. So if there is fifteen million Jews, there will be only five million. Jews that will enter into the kingdom, that will be saved. Romans eleven twenty three to 27, it says, And they also, if they abide not, and this is talking about the Jews, in unbelief shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut all out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, the Jews cut off, from the olive tree, which was wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part, blindness in part is happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And so all Israel shall shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant, this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. The Jews are cut off the olive tree until the fullness of the Gentiles become in, until God is finished with the church age. And God caused unbelief or blindness in part so that we could enter in. And that, to me, is a great blessing. God will again graft the natural branches, which is Israel, back to the olive tree, so that all Israel will be saved. God remembers his promise that he made to Abraham. While we are part of that tree, he also will not forget the Jews. And I'm not going to take the time to read Ezekiel 37, but if you look into that, um, it's a picture of the way God will work with the Jews. It's a picture of a valley of dried bones. God showed Ezekiel a vision of a valley of very dried bones. There was no life in them at all. But we see that God caused the bones to come together and put skin on them, yet there was still no life. And God told Ezekiel to prophesy to the wind. To breathe into the bodies that they might live. And when the wind blew on these bodies, they had life. And was an exceeding great army. And if you read on, it says that these dead bodies that came to life is the whole house of Israel. It is the Jews. That's what he's talking about there in Ezekiel 37. The Jews are scattered throughout all the world. And are now moving back to Israel. The bones coming back together. That, that's, that's what it's talking about. The Jews scattered all the world. And coming back to Israel. And we see uh, people telling me. There's so many Jews coming to Israel now. But they still have no life yet. This will happen in the future. Another reason that God has... A time of tribulation on the earth is to punish the sinners. And I talked a little bit about that. But God punishes those who reject his son. And those who accept the Antichrist, God's going to punish them. They will worship the Antichrist instead of God. The tribulation happens to test those who dwell on the earth. Like you see in Revelation 3.10. Are they God followers or do they follow the Antichrist? The reason that God pours out his wrath on sinners, it's because they have hardened their hearts to God. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. To punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. Another reason why God allows the tribulation is to prove God's power. God has often showed people, the nations, his power. And if you you remember back in Exodus, God did that to the Egyptians. Pharaoh mocked God and said, Who is the Lord that I should listen to him and let Israel go? But God answered the challenge with ten plagues that he sent to Pharaoh, his magicians, and all the Egyptians. They saw the hand of God upon them, and it drove Pharaoh to beg God to let the children of Israel leave. In the same way, God will show his power to the earth, to the Antichrist, and all those who reject God by sending plagues here on the earth. He will prove to this world, to this rebellious world, who is God, that He alone is God. Another reason for the tribulation is to portray Satan's true character. When the church is gone, Satan will be fully unmasked for who he is. He is a liar, he's a thief and a murderer we see he's breaking the covenant with the children of Israel he's a liar he's a thief and a murderer he will create havoc here on the earth he will pour out great wrath here on the earth because he knows that his time is short and we see that in revelation 12:12 12, 12. another reason why God allows the tribulation is to provide salvation you know, God is a merciful God, even in the midst of judgment and so much wickedness, pouring out his wrath on the earth, he is extending salvation to those who believe. Second Peter three: nine, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. God wants all of us to come to repentance. And in the tribulation, there will be many, many people saved, both Jews and Gentiles. It is the tribulation that will drive people to repentance and trust in God. People talk of a great revival. It will happen in the tribulation. And I don't think probably not before. God will harvest more souls during this time than anyone can count. So if you're on the line of accepting Christ as your Savior, you may be saying, if I can become a Christian in the tribulation, I will just wait till then to answer to the call of salvation so that I can do whatever I want. You know that is great foolishness. You have no idea if you will die today. Number one, life is a gift. We are not promised tomorrow second thessalonians two nine to twelve it says, and this is taken from i 'm going to read in the ESV the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. Because they refuse, they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. In order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth. But have pleasure in unrighteousness. So if you refuse to believe, to love the truth and be saved. You will be deceived. If you have heard the gospel message and reject it, God will give you a strong delusion. You will strongly be deceived in the tribulation. If you reject God's message that you have heard and the rapture happens, you will be forever lost. In conclusion, Are you, am I, ready for Christ's return? Will you be a part of the church to be raptured before this time of tribulation? Maybe you know some people that will be part of this seven-year period because of their unbelief. If they don't change to whom they place their hope and trust in, what will you do about it? Will you continue on living for self? Or will you share the love of Christ to those around you? The time is near. Be ready. And I really appreciated the song um, 736. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow. It doesn't matter what you've been through. God can cleanse you. Jesus can cleanse you. And so that you're white as snow. It says in verse 3 that he'll forgive your transgressions and remember them no more. Have we accepted Christ? Let's kneel to pray.